The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Okay. Well, just for the record, we got a son in Phoenix, too. 52 to... <laughs> Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunny in Phoenix podcast, a weekly podcast where we keep you up to date on everything Phoenix Suns basketball. My name is Charlie Erling, and as always, I'm joined by Dab and Mitch Krumpetich. Hey, Sans fan. And this week, we will be briefly discussing the DeAndre Ayton suspension, and then we'll get into some game recaps against the Kings, Nuggets, and Clippers. And then we'll look forward to this week in basketball, games against the Jazz, Warriors, and Grizzlies. Follow us on Twitter at SunnyandPHXPod. Same thing for Instagram. Go on iTunes, leave us a five-star review and a comment, and you will get a shout-out on the show. All right, so we'll start things off with the DeAndre Ayton suspension. He was caught using a diuretic and received a 25-game suspension for this. And, yeah, we don't need to go too deep into this, but this is something that a guy may take if he's trying to flush his system of something. Uh, We can all speculate what that something may be, but in a second test, there were no traces of anything. So either he wasn't doing anything bad or the diuretic just worked properly. Yeah, so this, this is a weird thing. Aiton claims that it was accidentally ingested and he ate or drank something and he didn't know what it was. They're going to investigate. So it's going to be, he's appealing it as soon as he can. The players association in the new CBA has the ability to fast forward, like put two cases a year on the fast track. And they're thinking that this might be one of them. But I kind of thought it would have already been done if they were going to do that. But nevertheless, he's appealing, trying to get it reduced or rescinded. It's probably not going to get rescinded. I think best case scenario, it gets down to 10 or 15 games. But from everything I'm hearing from people in the know, like Woj and those kind of people, it doesn't sound like anything is going to change. The rules are pretty clear. If you test positive for a diuretic, it's 25 games. Right, yeah, they're going in pretty hard with that rule. And especially when you look back to how other players have been suspended for, um, we can say, much worse things. And that's some of them not many more games than 25 or some of them less than 25 games. So it's it's definitely interesting to see, but we don't want to go more into this. Let's talk a little bit more about what the Suns have to do to get through without Aiton for... 25 games potentially it gets dropped but let's just assume it's going to be 25 that's a lot of Aaron Baines and Frank Kaminsky coming in to help the Suns and it looks like a return date of December 17th against the Clippers that'll be the after 25 games so 
it'll be a it'll be quite a while, mid December, before we get to see Aiton again. What needs to get done for the Suns to continue to play winning basketball? I mean, Baines and Kaminsky need to play like they did against the Clippers on right. Saturday. <laughs> if, if they can do that, then we'll be fine. I think, I think this could be a blessing in disguise to give guys like Baines and Kaminsky a little bit more playing time, keep them satisfied, you know, since they've been in the league for a while. But they just offer such a different skill set than Aiton. Like, I'm not saying Aiton's bad or not skilled, but these guys just play so differently. And I think we've seen since the suspension, Monty Williams has tweaked our offense just a bit, and it's working really well so far. Yeah, Frank Kaminsky is averaging three assists per game so far this year. And then there's Baines, who is just an absolute house down low. They bring different things to the table, both different than Aiton and both different from each other. And it's always keeping the defense on their toes. I I love it. It's been fun to watch so far. But then always in the back of your mind, you're thinking, man, what if Aiton were here too? Right, right. And... I mean, I know 25 games is a long time, but our November is packed. It kind of works out that he's going to come back mid-December. And again, that's worst case scenario. If they shave a couple games off, then great. But mid-December is not horrible. And we're still playing well. I think another thing to note is Dario Saric. There were points where he was the biggest guy on the floor in that game on Saturday against the Clippers, so we could go super small. Every one of those guys between Saric, or I've been saying it wrong, Saric, Baines, and Kaminsky, all of those guys can shoot threes, and that makes a huge difference. Right, there's some there's some depth there, and that's why we signed these guys this offseason. It's already paying off for us and that it's great in that aspect but it's tough being without Aiton obviously and the one thing that I have noticed is we can't afford to have Aaron Baines get in any sort of foul trouble early on in games because if we are going against a bruiser we got to have Baines there because he is the the brute force of the Suns at this point without Aiton yeah he definitely is and the Sun official Aaron Baines fan club Twitter page, which is awesome. Uh, in the first game against the Kings, uh, Baines had three pretty quick fouls, and that Twitter page capitalized on that and called him a physical tone setter, which <laughs> I thought was great. But at the same time, there is some truth. You know, when we have Aiton. Who cares if Baines goes in and picks up three quick fouls? It's not going to matter that much. I mean, it still does, but he's going to have the ability to do that kind of thing more often. So at this point, while Aiton is out, Baines is going to have to be just a little bit more cognizant of his fouls and maybe not play as tough as he would like, but it's temporary and he can do it. Right. That's that's a really good point. I think he'll uh, he understands what his role is going to be for the next 23 games. So, yeah, he's going to have to cool it a little bit when it comes to that aggressiveness, but obviously you can't be pulling it all back and not doing the things that make you a great player like Baines. Right. 
great players may be pushing it, but, <laughs> but still, I, lo- I love the guy. Oh, me too. He started 67 games for the Celtics. Like, he knows what he's doing, and he is a professional. He understands this stuff, and if he fouls out two or three games, fine. You're right. And someone who we didn't see in this Clippers game when uh, I thought maybe we could see some spot minutes, we still have Diallo on the bench. So there's yeah. another big body that's still available. We're not hurting when it comes to that. So that's right. a, a bit relieving having a guy like that down there too. Right, and it kind of goes back to what we talked about in the preseason of Frank Kaminsky really being more of a center than a power forward. And this gives him that opportunity to come in and get those minutes at the five. And, you know, it it seems like the Suns haven't taken any sort of step back when it comes to just being fluid on the offensive end of the court. And we need to praise Monty Williams for that, obviously, because he's doing incredible work with this team. And, I mean, he gets tossed this the second game into the season, and we're still playing hard. We're one and one without Aiton. It's it's pretty great. I've seen people on Twitter saying Monty Williams should be considered for coach of the year. Now it's been three games, <laughs> but if this if this continues, I think that's fair because he has done wonders with this team. I don't think anyone expected us to win two games, three games into the season. We didn't. And we're huge homers. I think most people expected us to be 0-3 at this point and to be getting blown out by 30 or 40 points. Yeah, and we're not. <laughs> and it's it's crazy. Like, it's absolutely crazy. I can't believe we're watching what we are and the way it feels, like how the way it feels in the arena, the way I feel about my sons again. Like, there's things that are changing right now, and it's I, we're all very excited. Yes, it's. I think there's a buzz around the city, even. And I know some of the players have said this. I know Kelly Oubre has said this, Rubio said this, Booker has said this, but for the first time in quite a while, I take pride when I wear my son's stuff, you know? And I remember a few years ago, people would make fun of me for wearing it, and they would say, <laughs> like, oh, the Suns are so bad. And I'd be like, I don't care. I know they are. But now I'm like, I could see myself getting a little fired up from hearing that now. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We, we deserve that. We deserve that. All right, but, <laughs> yeah, we'll be, we'll be missing Aiden for a while yet. And from what we've been able to see, it seems like the team is going to be just fine. There's nothing that has to be changed too drastically because as we do try to feed Aiton down in the post a little bit, most of his points come off, you know, a pick and roll or a put back, getting an offensive rebound, that type of thing. So the team can still flow the way it's meant to flow, I'd say, without him. Yeah, I think so too. I also think it opens up some minutes for Cam Johnson, sliding Kaminsky down to the five, um, just one less big guy. I think seeing Cam Johnson in person, he's a bit bigger than I thought. Uh, I could see him playing some stretch four at times, um, just if there's foul trouble or whatever. 
but he came in in that game against the Clippers on Saturday and hit a couple shots. So I could see him getting a few more minutes than expected because of Aiton being out. Right, and it complete it depends on who we're playing too. If they're going to go yes. big and bruising, yes. maybe Cam Johnson's not the best idea at the four, but it's something that we can right. do now without Aiton here. So it's doable. Right. Yeah, definitely situational. All right, so we're we're optimistic without Aiton here. The team's put on a show the last two games. We obviously miss him, but we expect this team to be winning ball games without him. I don't know if I want to say I expect them to win three quarters of the games they play or even half at this point, but we're going to compete every game. I know that. Yeah, definitely. All right, let's get into these game recaps and... This is exciting. We can yeah, start I'm like off. Giddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I after what, what did you text me after the game the other night? Uh, it was pretty. It was pretty late. You said something, and then I said, "Dude, I'm I'm sitting here giddy right now because I I feel this way about Suns basketball for the first time in a long time." Yeah, I think it was just after I got home from the from the game on Saturday. I was just like I'm still really excited. Yeah. We were both buzzing after it before we uh started breaking it down and talking about it, but it's uh it's just it's so nice. And when you start the year off with a 100 to 24 to 95 victory over the Sacramento Kings, who kind of gave you a little spanking in the preseason. I mean, that reignites the fire. You, you're you ready yeah. for some Suns basketball after you, you get the home opener and you you win by almost 30. That feels good. So what were some takeaways from this game one out of you? Well, I want to start with Aiton. Just get it out of the way. Aiton is really good. He looked great in this game. He had 18 points and 11 rebounds on 9 for 14 shooting and 4 blocks, which I called before the game. I was like, I feel like Aiden's going to have a big defensive night. He's going to shut down Bagley, and he's going to have like 4 or 5 blocks. I called it, so I was happy with that. He was also plus 25. Like, it was awesome. Aiton is really good. He looked good on defense. He was moving around. He looked nimble. He looked quick. He looked like he was in good shape. Maybe there's a reason for that, <laughs> but don't want to go into it right now. Right. He looked great, though. I'd say he looked so aware. I mean, aside yeah. from his obvious athletic ability and that we don't need to get into, uh, he, he just looked like he was so comfortable out there. And it, it I think that radiates from the, the team as a whole and everything that everyone else brings. I, I feel like... He feels more comfortable because everyone else on the team actually knows what they're doing this year. And I think that's just allowing him to to uh, flourish. Like, I think it looks so easy for Aiton. Yeah. That's the one thing I'm missing in these two games that we've seen without him. Just the ease of his game and how he snatches rebounds and gets easy buckets. That's what we're missing. Guys like Baines have to work a little harder for it. Right, right. I agree with that. But, you know, when you say everyone knows what they're doing, I think our new guys make a huge difference with that. 
Ricky Rubio, 11 points, 11 assists, 6 rebounds. He shot 4 for 12, but he still made a massive impact. It's so nice to have a guy who just knows what he's doing. First play of the game, too. Turnover because Rubio hits Aiton right in the hands and Aiton's not <laughs> ready for it and drops it, which is fine. It worked out in the end, but it's, I mean, it is so nice to have a competent point guard. And Rubio is beyond competent. Rubio is a really good point guard. Yeah, he's playing 4D chess. That's right. He and definitely if you, is. If you think about it, and if you were to add all this up, this is we've said it already, but we can we can live with a poor shooting night out of Ricky Rubio because he scored 11 points on the four for 12 shooting. He grabbed two offensive rebounds. Those may have added to more points. He dished out 11 assists, so that's 22 points minimum that he added to. He had four steals. How many points were scored off turnovers from those four steals? Right. There's so many defense. things that Ricky yeah. Rubio does, and it's great. Just being in the right place at the right time. Oh, it's awesome. And then I think our bench, too. We have guys coming off the bench who are good players. Tyler Johnson and Frank Kaminsky, they didn't do, like, a ton in this game. But Tyler Johnson, 10 points, 2 assists, 2 rebounds, 4 for 8 shooting. He hit two big threes as well. Plus 10 on the night. That's great. Kaminsky. Kaminsky did not have a great game, but it's really nice to have him coming off the bench rather than some guy on a 10-day contract or Dragon Bender. <laughs> 19 minutes, he had nine points, four for seven shooting, grabbed four boards, two assists. It's great. Bridges, Bridges was plus 19. Javon Carter is plus 14. Javon Carter... The surprise of the season so far. He had 11 points, three assists, and a rebound in this game. Three for five from three. That guy, he can get hot and just nail two or three big threes in a row. And it's happened in every game so far this season. He's great. I feel like he's just a gamer. He brings it up when it's when it means something. It seems like he's ready to go. He's laying it on the line. He's picking up full-court defense from the inbound pass. I've really enjoyed watching him. And in that Clippers game, he had that spinning play. He got into the oh, lane and threw up this. It was nice. It was just a crazy business layup. Like you, you weren't expecting it to go in. But when it dropped, the arena went nuts. It's been so fun in the Talking Stick Arena, resort, arena, whatever you want the to call stick. it. The, the stick, stick is what we go by. <laughs> I, got, I have pride about the stick now. The stick has been like rocking. The stick is our home. But in this first game, we we win by 29, and Devin Booker has, I think it was five points in the first half. Just yeah. quiet. Uh, it seemed like he, he got to sit back and enjoy the show a little bit, which he's never been able to do in his son's victory. But he yeah. did turn it on in the fourth quarter to kind of help us pull away and really... Really not pull away, but just stomp him into the ground. He he got him in garbage time like usual, like everybody likes to say. But <laughs> he ended up with 22 points and 10 assists in this one. Him and Rubio combined for 21 assists. Our backcourt, they're both they're both dishing it out. Yeah, and Booker Booker was cold 
up until the fourth quarter, pretty much. Yeah. But he was doing other things. He was passing. He was hitting guys who were open and shooting well, like Kelly Oubre. Well, Booker shot better than Oubre, but Oubre had 21 points and nine rebounds. And I love Oubre. I really love Oubre. He is like, he's the leader of our team vocally, the vocal, emotional leader. Devin Booker is our true leader, but Oubre is definitely the face. He's definitely the the voice of the team, and he's getting everyone so pumped. So it's really nice to see Booker being able to find guys, especially Aiton. They had a couple good connections in this game. So, I mean, Booker was great. Kelly Oubre is the only guy to score 20 points in each game this season so far. Yeah, he is. So, if he, he keeps has bringing that, joy. can you imagine, what if Kelly Oubre can keep up a 20-point-per-game average through the season? That sounds great. <laughs> I wish we were on YouTube for this because Mitch just looks so happy and excited right there. It was, it was fantastic. Euphoric. Euphoric. Woo. And speaking of Ubre, let's keep in mind that we traded Trevor Ariza for Ubre. Yeah. Ariza is now on the Kings along with Igor Kokoshkov. And Ariza looked awful. He looked so bad. Kings fans were saying, who is this guy? What happened? Every time he's on the court, everything just slows down. And we, in my mind, I was just thinking, yeah, we lived it for a little bit. And we got Oubre out of that. It's crazy to think that way. Yeah, we had to pay Oubre, but I mean. He deserves it. As of right now, 100% he deserves it. All right, so um, as for the Kings on their side of the ball, Buddy Heald was really the only guy that kept them around in the first half of this game. Uh, Buddy finished with 28 points, 6 for 12 from downtown. And I don't want to talk about Buddy that much. I want to talk about Devin Booker. Devin Booker was getting scored on to start this game, and Buddy was hitting shots on him. And the way that Booker turned around his defense noticeably in that second half made me feel really optimistic for what we're going to see out of him throughout this year. Because we saw Devin Booker lock in on defense, and I don't want to say I've never seen it happen before, but it, it looked different than what we're used to. Corner, I agree. But he looked good. And I think he's a really good player. But no one else was doing hardly anything. Bagley had 14 and 10, but he broke his finger in this game. I didn't even realize. He came out and there was a point where I was thinking, where is Bagley? But then I saw when I got home, oh, he broke his finger. And so he's out for a little bit. But he didn't have a great game. Six for 16 shooting. The only one who really did anything was Buddy. So we'll take that. That's fine. That's sun. That's almost like old school Suns basketball. Not old school, but last year Suns basketball. I don't want to bestow that label upon anybody. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's pretty rough. Corey Joseph had ten points, and he was kind of pesky at times. But we won by twenty nine, so 
go on back to Sleep Train Arena or whatever it's called. Yep. And the return of Rashawn Holmes resulted oh in one gosh. point and five rebounds and three steals in 17 minutes. And one one video from his mom on Twitter. Oh, I saw that, but I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it either. I saw nice comments, so it must have it must yeah. not have been dumping on Phoenix or anything. No, no, it wasn't. But that's good. Why would I assume of... that? I'm such a I'm such a bad guy. <laughs> I just I just assume the worst. No, okay. Let's move it on. <laughs> Let's move it on. We'll talk about the Nuggets game here, and this is uh shortly after we heard the news about DeAndre Ayton being missed and here we are heading to Denver the mile high city and we're without Aiton and we compete against Jokic and the Nuggets and I I was thinking that we I don't know if I reverted into my mind from from last year and I was just thinking this is going to be a really rough game but the Suns played hard they played smart and we got into overtime in this one, but ended up dropping it by one point. So coming out of this, I wasn't feeling very optimistic about anything after hearing the Aiton news and all that. But when you, you leave Denver losing by one without without your man Aiton, it feels good. It's a, it's a moral victory. I hate to say it, but it is. It is. And this was a winnable game. If a couple different balls would have fell a different way we could have won this game very very different calls were called the correct way oh don't even get me started the the officiating this season in general has been embarrassing if i were a ref right now i would be ashamed i'd be if you know me and you watch letter kenny i'd be just like the coach if i were to express (laughs) express what i feel about the refs right now yeah, it, I am embarrassed for them. But another, there were a couple other things that made this tough. Devin Booker shot six for 21. He just could not get anything going. He still had 18 points, but he was one for eight from three. If he if he would have hit one more three, we would have been okay. But sometimes he's going to have cold games, and that's okay. Ubre had 23 points, eight rebounds, two assists on seven for 12 shooting. So good game for him, but he was actually minus 11. So that was kind of tough. Baines, 15 points, seven rebounds, three assists on six for 10 shooting. He looked pretty good, came in and, you know, did, did a pretty good job of filling in for Aiden. Kaminsky too, filling in for Aiden, 19 points, 11 rebounds and an assist. So that was pretty nice. They both, I feel like they both did a pretty good job on Jokic. He's really good. He fin- he had a triple-double. He had 23, 14, and 12 on 8 for 18 shooting. But I, I feel like they handled him best they could. Yeah, we out-rebounded the Nuggets in this game. We We held Jokic to only three offensive rebounds. That's pretty solid, but... That's a big boy. We made him turn it over it five times. He shot eight for 18 from the floor. I feel like that's not a bad effort against him. I mean, yeah, it's a triple-double, 23 points, 14 boards, 12 assists. But 
he didn't absolutely murder us like he may have done last year. Right, definitely. <clears throat> the other thing in this game is Rubio, Ubre, and Baines all fouled out. And I think that comes down to poor officiating. And momentum. There was no momentum in this game, hardly, because the refs kept killing it. Same thing happened in the Clippers game. Neither team could get any momentum. It probably played in our favor in both situations, actually. But it's very frustrating to watch when the refs just take over. Yep, 35 fouls that the Suns committed to uh, 26 by the Nuggets. So a nine-foul difference. And yeah, this and the Clippers game seem like they got slowed down so much by how many fouls were called and all the reviews. It's kind of a little upsetting to me. I'm, I'm not enjoying that so far, seeing how plays can be reviewed like this so often. Now. Yeah, this I was in favor of the review thing at first, but after seeing it for this first few games, it is very annoying. Right. I'm not crazy not, about it. I, I'm not huge on it. No, but we did capitalize on the foul trouble. We hit our free throws. We missed one free throw in this game. Booker missed one. He was five for six. But Kaminsky, 11 for 11 from the line. These are the little things that we're doing right. Monty Williams is preaching this kind of stuff. We're hitting free throws. We're rotating well. His rotations are good for substitutions. It's these little things that make a huge difference. And for the first time since Alvin Gentry, basically, we have a real NBA head coach. <laughs> yep, yep. Maybe yep. Hornacek. Maybe Hornacek. Eh. He's not a head coach anymore. Right. I, I don't know. It's a tough gig, that's for sure. But Yeah, so at the end of this game, near the end of regulation, the Suns are down three, and there's just... <laughs> like a few seconds left a couple seconds rubio gets the ball heaves one up from half court and gets fouled which is just insane get out of his way when that happens but ricky rubio line drive line drove three free throws in a row made them all i was so excited i i don't know if i've seen my wife that excited about Suns basketball in a while either, but she was hyped. Man, that just things like that are the things that uh, I don't know. It's kind of building, building a like a bit of a story for a legend. I don't know. Like these things that are happening, it just feels it feels so good. It feels so right, and it feels like we're building to something. It feels like a power ballad being written. It oh. feels so good. It feels so right. It's all happening. You know, I could see meatloaf singing a song about this. Do you like meatloaf? Uh, he's okay. <laughs> Do you like to eat meatloaf? The food? Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. I, I think okay. I like it as much as I like the singer meatloaf. It's okay. <laughs> But it, it kind of reminds me of going back to the Kings for just a second. I've seen a lot of people, whether it be media people or just random people on Twitter, saying the Suns could be the Kings this year. The team that really surprises people maybe overperforms a little bit, but 
exceeds expectations. I could definitely see that. You know, yeah, jumping ahead here just a touch, or maybe we can wrap up this Nuggets game. But now, so one of my hobbies after basketball games, especially Suns wins, are to go to the opposing team subreddit and get a just get the pulse of the opposing fans and see what they think about the game. And Clippers fans, absolutely classy. Absolutely. I went to their sub too. It was great. They appreciated the loss. Like, I don't, I don't want to poke fun, but they, they were really cool about it. And they were comparing us to what they were last year. That's a step up. That's a step up from the Kings comparison. So when I see that, I really like that. If we can be like the Clippers were last year and keep building after that, whoo. I agree. I agree. I like that comparison. And yeah, Clippers fans, super classy. I expected to go in there and see a lot of salt, like Lakers level salt, but I shouldn't expect that. They're a different breed. And we do have that alliance of just hating the Lakers. Yeah. But these Clippers fans, very level headed. They were able to talk about, yeah, we did this wrong and foul trouble and we were hit they were hitting a lot of shots and we weren't playing very good defense and I was impressed. And they were acknowledging how in favor the refs were of their squad in the first half of this game. Like they acknowledged it. It was And that makes me feel good too, because I hate I hate blaming games on the refs. As much as I would like to do it with the Nuggets game, there are some things that maybe you don't let Malik Beasley go nutty in this game and he misses a shot and we win the game. Or Jeremy Grant, he just like slams the ball on flying in from the wing to dunk over everybody. Yeah, he's impressive. But now I forgot where I'm going with this because I'm just all excited. I'm excited too, but let's just go into the Clippers game. We're talking about it. Yeah. So, this this is a game where the Suns came out, and they played hard, and they never let it get out of hand one way or the other. It was a close game. We, we got the lead up near double digits every once in a while, but the Clippers would come back. And I think that even at some point in the third, was it, did they grab the lead back? They did. They got up by five or six at one point. Right. So this was pretty well back and forth. But the fact that we were competing so well with the team that everybody has dubbed as they're going to be one of the best in the West, or if not the best, we came out and we won this game 130 to 122. It's a fantastic feeling. Yeah, they don't have Paul George, but yeah, we didn't have DeAndre Ayton or Ricky Rubio, who has a bruised knee, by the way. Nothing... Nothing too bad, but he just, his knee is bruised. It's fine. He'll be back relatively soon, we all assume. I expect him to play in the Jazz game. So, yeah, it feels good. Yeah, both teams have every excuse in the book. Injuries, suspensions, refing, whatever it may be. We, when it came down to it, we played harder. I mean, Devin Booker, awesome game. 30 points, 8 assists, 6 rebounds, 10 for 20 shooting, missed 1 free throw again, so 7 for 8, 3 for 6 from 3. Oh my gosh. Him and Patrick Beverly were going at it. Patrick Beverly, 
seems to be a tough defender from first look, he's soft. He is soft. (laughs) (laughs) You're ten ply, bud. I wouldn't say that Patrick Beverly's soft. Are you really going with that? In this game. In this game. He was trying to... Okay, overall, he's not soft. He is a good defender. But he was getting up in Booker's face and talking trash, and Booker just had a response to everything. He nailed a deep three right in Beverly's face and then started talking right back at him. That was awesome to see. And that's how basketball should be. I'm so sick of that kind of stuff getting called as a technical. That's part of the game. That's what we watch for. And then Beverly fouls out. Booker hits this just improbable turnaround fadeaway jumper from 15 feet out right in Beverly's face as he fouls him. And our bench waves goodbye to him as he fouls out. It was awesome. I love it. And I thought of one thing, like, are we poking a beast by maybe, I don't know if we're acting a little cocky or if it's confidence, (laughs) or what it is. But don't get me wrong, I absolutely love it. But I'm a little nervous about the next time we play the Clippers. But hey, we'll both be at full strength. (laughs) We'll both be at full strength for that one, so that'll be interesting. Yeah, I I definitely said probably more than I should have. Bring Paul George. Give me Paul George. We'll still be... That was hilarious. That was great. uh, Maybe that was a little cocky, but... (laughs) I was excited. Yeah. I'm with excited. you. Yeah, and I'm with you. We we could be poking a beast. The Clippers are really good. Kawhi is either the best or second best player in the league, whether you put him at one or Giannis at one. He's really, really good. But we contained him for the most part. He had 27 points, but it was on 11 for 23 shooting. He missed quite a bit. It was... It was an odd game, especially because Kawhi got into foul trouble, so he had four fouls toward the end of the game. Doc Rivers took him out and sat him for most of the fourth quarter, brought him back in with about two minutes left. And I think we were all kind of scratching our heads, wondering why Kawhi wasn't in earlier. Yeah, it seemed like they Doc held him out a little too long in that situation. I think I even turned over and asked you like quite a while before they even... Uh, subbed him in. I was like, where's Kawhi? Why is he not in? Yeah. And it seemed like he should have been in there, but, you know, I'm thankful that he wasn't because that probably oh, helped too. us seal that game. Yeah. Well, I thought he had five fouls for a while, too. And then he came in, and it was only four. So then I was really wondering. Only four huh. fouls. I thought he'd play at least the last five minutes of the fourth quarter and not just the last two. But worked out for us. Yeah, and that's really interesting. Only He only played 32 minutes. I'm trying to figure that out. It's not like you forget about Kawhi sitting on your bench either. You, you don't right. forget about putting him back in. I don't remember right. seeing him stranded at the scorer's table for a long period of time either. No, no huh. he was sitting there. It was odd. But Kelly Oubre and Mikhail Bridges, they both did a pretty good job on Kawhi. They were both in his face. And Kawhi hit a lot of improbable shots, but that's what he's going to do. He can really hit those mid-range shots. He likes that right elbow, too. We realize that. He kept yeah. shooting from that right elbow. And he hit a lot of them. But Ubre 
and Bridges both played pretty well. Ubre had 20 points, five rebounds, and an assist. One of those uh, rebounds and two of his points came off a miss on a fast break that bounced off the front of the rim where he jumped up and grabbed it and put it, put it back with a dunk on his own miss, which was great. Super exciting. He hit all of his free throws, which were nine free throws, so he was getting to the line. Little foul trouble, had five fouls. Booker also had five fouls. So that was interesting. And Bridges had four. Or no, how many fouls did he have? Yeah, he had four fouls. But Bridges had seven points and four rebounds, three for five shooting, one for three from three. Bridges is not shooting much. No, it seems like he's having trouble getting into the flow on offense or maybe just not having a ton of confidence with his shot right now. But, you know, last year we didn't see him have many scoring outbursts. I don't know how many 20-point games he had last year if he had many at all. I'm not sure. He's, He's not a scorer, but he does look a little bit slow on offense at times. I think what he is good at offensively, though, is just cutting to the basket Yep, and making those nice off-the-ball kind of plays, setting off ball screens, like I said, cutting to the basket. And they found him a couple times cut, cutting nicely and wide-open layups. So that's what he's going to do on offense. We don't need him to be a scorer. And I think last year we needed him to hit more threes and that kind of thing. We needed him to be more involved on offense, and that's really not his game. Right, and we don't necessarily need that out of him at this point. I mean, yeah, we obviously love to have a guy that can come off the bench and get buckets, but uh, he's a guy that can come in and actually lock someone down. He plays great defense. And about Kawhi, one thing I did notice in this game, he did get a couple pretty easy looks early in the game, but you can tell things really locked up throughout, and obviously towards the end when things get a little more competitive, he was getting locked down pretty tightly. So Ubre yes. and Bridges really brought the defense in this one. And they did. They did. One guy that we really barely have touched on due to not playing so hot in the first two games, Dario really showed up in this one. 15 yes, points, 10 rebounds, three assists, two steals. Played 34 minutes, did a little bit of everything for us, and that's what we, we were looking for when, when we brought him in. He looked great. Dario, he got hot at one point, hit a couple threes. He was three for six from three. That same as Booker. He can shoot. He had a couple duds early on, but that's okay. That's going to happen. Dario looked really, really good. Only two fouls. He was plus 12. Oh, I really liked watching him. And same with Kaminsky. Kaminsky had a great game. He had 29 minutes. 18 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists. Like, that's very similar to Booker's stat line with a little less scoring. 7 for 13 shooting, 3 for 7 from 3. We put up a lot of 3s. I think we put up, it was over 40. 43. 43. 17 for 43 for 39.5%. I'll take it. That's great. That's so awesome. And then Javon Carter. He got the start. We weren't sure if it would be him or Tyler Johnson, but Carter got the start, and he had a decent game too. He hit, he was two for five from three, but the two that he hit were big. One of them was basically a dagger 
toward like late fourth yeah. quarter. So eight points, six assists, three rebounds. Again, that's so much more than we could ever expect from Javon Carter, filling a role that he's not normally going to fill because Rubio was out. Unless it was last year, he would have started all 82 for the Suns. No oh, doubt. yeah, definitely. definitely. No, he's but. been – he was great stepping up with the absence of Rubio in this one. And then another guy that needs to be noted, and we've seen him do this in the preseason too, Elio Kobo. He's on the fringe of the roster, but in a situation like this, he gets brought in. He plays five minutes. He scores four points. He gets two rebounds. He does a little bit of everything, but uh, the way he gets buckets – is so nice. And if I remember correctly, both of these were big time. Like we needed these buckets and Ellie of all people comes in and gets them for us. So yeah, it's nice having him. He's the, he's going to be the third or fourth point guard on our bench when it, when uh, Jerome gets back and Rubio's back, but he, he can come in and get it done. So I'm thankful for that. It was really nice. It was great game overall. Really, really happy with the result and you know this if you're listening to it to to this podcast but it can't be said enough this was the second night of a back-to-back where we traveled from denver the night before and played an overtime game against the nuggets who are arguably the best team in the west and we won we won by eight in the end, but we were up by 15 in the fourth quarter. They kind of scored a little, a few garbage time points, but that's so encouraging. It really is. Absolutely. So yes, that was, uh, the first week in Suns basketball for this season. You got to leave feeling more optimistic than you were expecting. You'd feel, I I guarantee that. No one was expecting to see quite this. But let's move on. No, me neither. But anyways, let's talk about the games coming up this week. We've we've got the Jazz at home, and then we go on a little road trip, play the Warriors and the Grizzlies. So let's uh, quickly talk about this Jazz one since this comes out day of uh, the release of this episode. So we get to see Rubio hopefully return and play his old team, the Jazz. And uh, his counterpart in this, the guy that kind of ousted him from the Jazz, Mike Conley hasn't been playing great basketball to start this season. So Jazz are maybe underperforming a tad. I think this is going to be a good ball game. I do too. I think we're going to win too. I think that Rubio is going to come out and do what he does. It's going to be nice to have him back. I think Baines and Kaminsky will be able to take care of Gobert and Derek Favors, I guess. Donovan Mitchell is, I think he kind of has reached his ceiling. I know that's a little bit controversial, but I think we're going to win this game. Yeah, I'm excited for that Booker and Mitchell matchup because obviously it gets talked a lot on 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 Twitter, everywhere, really. It's a, a nice matchup that people like to see. And the only thing that people could hold back from it about Booker is Donovan Mitchell is a way better defender. Well, Booker's playing a little bit of defense this year. I don't think people will be able to dump on him for that. 
So maybe we see the tides turn when people say who the better shooting guard is or the better young shooting guard. I'm still going with Booker. I've never thought anything otherwise, but maybe right. maybe some other people will change their minds about that. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, I'm excited, and I think we're going to win this one. And while I'm making this prediction, I'll mention this. We are going to start doing something starting in the month of November where we pick winners and losers for all of these games, and whoever has a better record at the end of the month buys the other person dinner. That's going to be our our thing for this season. So this game and the Warriors game, we're not going to count, but this Memphis game is in November. So that's going to count, and at the end of the month, we'll tally it up. I... I'm excited for this. Me too. Um, you know who else is probably excited for this? <laughs> Our significant others who yeah, will be, I think uh, they are <laughs> treated to uh, dinner every once in a while out. So. Yeah, I, I think they will probably benefit from it more than anyone. <laughs> winners, winners all around, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's right. All right, so. The next game, I'm interested to see this. If you're feeling so optimistic about beating the Jazz, we head to Golden State to play the Warriors in the next one. Is this another W? I think it could be. I do. I'm interested. Steph is still really good. D'Lo is good. They are still kind of finding their groove together a little bit. I'm interested to see how we play Draymond. If we have one of our bigger guys guard him, or if we go with like a Bridges or Ubre guarding Draymond, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what we do. Um, I think this is going to be a close game, but I don't know. At this point, I can't predict anything other than a win. So, yeah, I'll say we're going to win. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I've seen a lot of people who are not. Ex- people are saying the Warriors are not going to make the playoffs. I. I don't know if they'll miss the playoffs, but man, wouldn't it be weird to see at the end of this year that the Suns and Warriors lineups don't look too different? Yeah, they have a lot of young guys. Marquise Chris, I think he started for them in one game. That's, oh. Yeah, that, I, I think they're still waiting on uh, Willie Cully Stein to heal up and return to the lineup, so... That is yeah. why Chris is getting those minutes, but it's just weird seeing. I, I watched a bit of one of their preseason games, and I saw Chris have, like, it seemed like two or three assists to Steph. And I was like, man, I don't know how I feel about letting Marquise Chris play with Steph Curry. Like, Does he <laughs> deserve that? Does he really deserve that? We'll see, yeah, though. Yeah. I think this will be a good game. I'm excited. Same here. Absolutely. And again, this is another one where I'm really thankful that Rubio's knee only seems to be a bruise and he should be back and ready for all the games this week. We hope. Yeah. Yes. Definitely hopeful. All right. Saturday night, we have the Grizzlies there. They have some nice young talent on that roster. They have some uh, pretty solid big boys. If you think about Jackson and Valanchunas. And, you know, we're obviously without Aiton. This this could be an interesting game. What, what do you think about this one? It could. I'm excited. I think we will win this game. I think it could be tough. Like you said, Jaron Jackson. Just to clarify, Jaron Jackson, not Josh. Not he's Josh. He's league, but, <laughs> um, 
Valanchunas, Brandon Clark has looked pretty good so far. I I think we're going to win. I don't think they'll quite be able to keep up. I think we're going to be able to play a bit faster. The Grizzlies are also very young. We'll see, though. You know, I predicted... Well, I predicted that they would be the one team in the West to be worse than us. I think I was wrong, because I think there'll be a couple other teams that are worse than us. But there could be some interesting matchups in this one. I was just going to say that, because that's what I was thinking about. And maybe after this week, after we get a little better feel for the team, maybe we can uh, predict that again next episode. And yeah. we'll see who do we think will surpass in the West this year. And I guarantee that all of us will have a few more teams added to our list, at least one or two. Yeah, I think so. Minnesota. I have a lot of questions about Minnesota. Right. Oh, I was looking through the schedule today, seeing who we're going to have to face without Aiton. We we get cat twice in this uh, oh, great. 20-some game span. So that that might be interesting. Yes, it will. And we get the Sixers. Oh, yeah. And Lakers. And B will be a handful. Who's going to guard Davis? Davis. Yeah, we'll we'll have to see. But I have faith in Monty making the right uh, adjustments and rotations to be able to contain guys like that. I, I have faith in him. Yeah, we'll be okay. But it is time for the non sports section of the show. And today. I went to the new Fry's downtown on Jefferson, right across from the arena, and it's wild. I took a shopping cart into an elevator today. What's something that you've never done before that you tried recently? <laughs> I don't know if I can compete with bringing a shopping cart into an elevator. That's pretty groundbreaking, exciting stuff. And, man, you know... To be honest, I really like when we do the non-sports if you drop the question before the episode, because then I, I have a little time to think about it. But Yeah, some, but I like to surprise you. Some <laughs> ground, some groundbreaking moves that I have done. Man, Mitch, maybe I, I maybe I had a pretty. Oh, this is tough. Well, while you think about it, I will tell you about my Fry's experience downtown today. It's busy, but it's pretty cool. Very modern. It still has everything at a regular Fry's, but it's all really new. I think it's designed to be more of like a quick in and out kind of thing. I think a lot of people who live downtown are probably going to go and grab a few things and be able to walk there. I didn't walk there, and I kind of regret that. But that's okay. Maybe next time I'll do that. I wanted to see what it was like. They have a parking garage that's nice, a little bit confusing. But overall, it's pretty cool. We've been waiting for it for quite a while. I know even a couple years ago, I remember when they started building it. And uh, I like it so far. Okay. I kind of thought of something. Okay. So it may not be great, but I've talked about my dog before. And we uh, we took her to a trainer, Dynamic Dog AZ. Shout out to Karen, who trained up our dog and did such a great job. 
but I've had dogs in the past, and I've never had a dog that could be off leash and uh, not want to run away because I, I'm a husky lover. I've I've had huskies, and the last one I had was a madman, and he would just <laughs> if if he got an opening, he was gone, and he was he was going for a few mile jog because that's what he wanted to do. And yes, this dog got plenty of exercise and all that. He just liked to break out and run. But this dog is amazing off the leash. And every time that I let her out into the front yard while I'm watering the grass or whatever I'm doing, knowing that she won't leave the yard feels new to like so new to me. And every time I do it, it's just so relieving. I love it. Wow. So having a good dog that doesn't run away and is good off leash, that, that feels new to me every time it happens because my old dog was such a yeah (laughs) (laughs) well that's a good one so you have a good dog and i took a shopping cart into an elevator what more could you want that's how we end the show brother (laughs) (laughs) all right we thank you guys for tuning into this episode we're happy to be back in the regular season and we're happy to have a ball team that's We're winning some basketball games, and this is a team that's going to compete every night. So check us out on social media, at SunnyandPHXPod. That's Twitter and Instagram. We're actually posting on there. I'm not even kidding about that. We've been a little more active, so, you know, check it out. Throw us a follow. Like something. We'll we'll enjoy it. I'll end with you. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Again, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week, and go Suns. And happy Halloween. Monster Mash. Monster Mash.